Our reading tonight, which I will read to us, is 1 Corinthians 11 and 17 to 34. It's very familiar words, and uh, we're going to think particularly about communion tonight. And in preparation for that, let's hear these words. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick. A number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we're judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. So I'm going to move across to the communion table to speak this evening. Slightly different, I know, but uh, for a, a very clear reason. Because I want to focus upon this bread and wine as we come to hear God's word tonight. A reading, of course, there that was very familiar in its middle section, but it sets that, those familiar words in the wider context of what was going on in the church in Corinth. But before we come to that, just to say something a little bit more generally about baptism and communion, because this morning we had a baptism, and tonight we have communion. What a great morning it was. Absolutely fabulous. It was such a joy to witness those baptisms. And it's a joy as well to come and to share in communion. These two events are generally known as sacraments. Now, sacrament is not a word that you will find in the Bible but it's generally understood to be a visible sign that has underneath it an invisible grace. An event where something is happening in the spiritual realm beyond what is happening in the physical realm. 
And so in baptism, uh, if I was to be even more theatrical, I would just go over to the baptistry at this point and stand there. But in baptism, we go under the water and we come up again. And beyond that physical action is a spiritual truth of publicly declaring our faith, being united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection and stepping forward to live a new life. Something is happening spiritually as we engage in that physical action of immersion under the water. In communion, we eat bread and we drink wine. We have to say grape juice in our context. We eat and we drink. Beyond the physical action is the spiritual truth that the body of Jesus was broken for us, his blood was shed for us. And in taking communion, we remember his sacrifice, we offer our lives to him, and we feed on the spiritual blessings that he gives. So in both cases, something is happening which is more than physical. In both cases, there is something physical. There's no doubt that Luke and Anna got wet this morning. That was a physical action, and was very clear to see. And here there are physical, tangible elements that we will eat and drink. These physical things are happening, but underneath them is something more. Sacraments often described as visible signs of an invisible grace. And so the water of baptism and the bread and wine of communion are the visible signs, but the invisible grace underneath it is the presence and the power of Jesus working in these moments. And both of these are sacraments that Jesus commanded his disciples to do. Matthew 28, 18 and 20, the Great Commission, the end of Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I command you. So crystal clear that Jesus was commanding the later generations of believers to be baptized. When that great company of believers were, uh, came to faith on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 of them, they were baptized and so on. So we see very readily that that pattern was well established from the very beginning, the command of Christ to be baptized. And for communion, perhaps that command doesn't come across quite so strongly, but isn't it interesting in these words, where the Apostle Paul was talking to the church at Corinth that really hadn't got things together very well and were really muddling up uh, a sacramental meal with a physical meal and then they were neglecting some people and it was all getting a bit of a mess. And then in the middle of what he was talking to them about, he then said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. That was something which was received from the Lord. Do this in remembrance of me. So again, there is that sense in which Christ has commanded us to do these things. In some church traditions, obviously, there are other things that attract the title as a sacrament. So in some traditions, the blessing of children or the christening of children would be seen as a sacrament, in some cases ordination, or marriage, or prayer for the sick, 
or the sacrament in the Catholic Church of confession or reconciliation or penance. I wouldn't want to make a huge fuss about what we call a sacrament and what we don't because the word sacrament isn't in the Bible anyway. But the heart of it, the meaning of it, is that there is something physical and underneath that there is something spiritual. It seems to me that these are the two sacraments that Christ has clearly commanded us to do. So probably for me this word sits best with those two. So these are important moments. The faith of the whole church is strengthened in these moments. Did you feel that this morning if you were here? That it wasn't just Luke and Anna being baptized. Did you not sense that the Spirit of God is here, that this is a declaration of faith, this is exciting to be a Christian? That as two people particularly shared their testimony and were baptized, it was almost as faith of the church rose. That greater confidence in the gospel of Christ to change people's lives and the power of God to help us to live for Jesus. The whole church is strengthened in that moment as we witness baptism and the whole church is strengthened as we share together in taking bread and wine. And given that today we're doing both on the same day, sometimes you do both in the same service, that's even better, but at least we're doing both in the same day. And it just seemed appropriate to highlight that in what I say to you tonight. So communion itself, in what sense is this a sacrament? What is God doing underneath what we are doing when we take bread and wine? How do we understand that? Well, let me just uh, simply explain that for a moment. We're focusing first on Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples in that last supper, out of which, of course, the Lord's Supper emerged, that last supper, Jesus said to the disciples, this is my body. Imagine how they felt when they first heard those words. They were used to the ritual of Passover, a meal where every item of food had some significance, but now Jesus was giving the bread a totally different meaning. This is my body. And then he took the cup. This is my blood. Not the blood of animals sprinkled on the doorposts at the time of the Exodus, but the blood of the Son of God given for the life of the world. And so when we come to communion, our Life is focused upon the life of Jesus. In a way, it's similar in baptism, isn't it? Where we identify with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Again, in communion, the focus is Jesus. And when you think you're perhaps missing the mark in the Christian journey, other things are kind of crowding in and all getting a bit much. Here's the moment to refocus upon Jesus. Because our life depends on his. Our faith is rooted in his grace reaching out to us. And here is a moment to focus. Because Jesus says to us this evening, he says to us, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus says to us, 
His cup is the new covenant, sealed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So we focus on Jesus. We focus on grace. Because the meaning of a sacrament is that when we do something, God does something else. In baptism, when we go under the water and come up again, God enables us to share that life of Jesus, identifying with him in his death and in his resurrection. And in communion, when we take bread and wine, God enables us to feed and drink on the risen Christ himself. This is my body given for you. Given for you. Given for you tonight. The body of Jesus. Maybe you feel sometimes that Jesus missed you out. His blessing was to other people but not to you. But tonight, as you share in communion, you're gathered in. This is my body, says Jesus. Given for you. It's not that the bread and the wine changes into anything different. It is that we change as we take bread and wine because God's grace is at work in this moment. The body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And forgiveness is an especially important part of this. Only by grace can we enter, only by grace can we stand. Lord, if you mark our transgressions, who could stand? And the communion table is a place of forgiveness. It's where we acknowledge that we've messed up and that where we've done things that are wrong, Jesus is bringing his love and mercy and forgiveness to us again. So it's a focus on his grace and what he is able to do in our inner being because of his sacrifice on the cross. Today, he is able to work his grace Bring his forgiveness, bring his healing, bring his love. And so we focus upon grace. We focus upon what God is doing through Jesus Christ that we could never earn, that we can never deserve, no matter what we've done, no matter how we feel. We focus on God's grace as a stream of life-giving nourishment flowing into our life as we take the physical bread and wine. We focus on Jesus, we focus on grace, we focus on character. Why? Because this meal is often called Holy Communion. The songs we had tonight were so good, especially that uh, Behold Our God, seated on his throne. It brought to us a sense of the holiness, the majesty of God. And here we are sharing in holy communion. What's holy about this? This is what's holy. It begins with a holy God. That is God's character, that he is full of perfection and purity and holiness. And it tells a holy story, the story of what Jesus has done for us, which is a remarkable story that we relive time and time again, but never tire of, because it's the most amazing moment in all of history. It tells the holy story. But it calls us to be a holy people. It is holy communion because it calls us to a place of holiness. Love is important at the communion table 
we eat bread and drink wine together. So what's going on between us is significant. And where there are strained or fractured relationships, it's important to have those conversations that bring us to the place of harmony. Love is important at the communion table because everyone is special. And if our attention is focusing just perhaps on a few and not on others, we need to redirect the balance and make sure that our love for God's people is as inclusive as God's love for everyone. Unity is important at the communion table. That, of course, is the context in which Paul set these words against what was going on at the church in Corinth, where there was neither love nor unity. They were in chaos. Each person was going ahead, eating their own food and drinking their own stuff. Some people were left hungry. Some people were drunk. It was chaos. And into that chaos, the Apostle Paul brought such a powerful word about a holy place and a holy action that calls us to be a holy people. Integrity is important at the communion table. You can't pretend with God when you are eating and drinking. You have to be real before him as to who you are and who he is and your heart's desire to trust in Christ and to follow and to live a life that is honoring to him. So if there are things you know that are going on that are wrong, communion is the best time to confront those in your own heart and mind and to recognize before God that something somewhere in your life is not right and needs to be corrected so that we live a holy life emerging from this holy place. So these are the things that God is doing underneath what we're doing. When we're taking bread and wine, uh, God is enabling us to focus upon Jesus, to focus upon grace, to focus upon character, and to focus on mission. Because we're doing this until he comes. And what will happen when Jesus comes? When Jesus comes, there will be that word of judgment across the world, and then that opening up to a new heaven and a new earth. And this table enacts the gospel message, which is until he comes. And if the God of grace, who is also the God of justice, is to come into this world in which there is so much that is wrong, and when evil has to be confronted before a holy God, and when sin has to be confessed before a holy God, the message of the gospel is that God is calling us to be right with him now. To be in that place where we walk with him now. In readiness for that time when he will return. This is enacting the gospel message of a Christ who died, who rose again, who ascended to heaven and one day will return. So come now and be ready for when Jesus comes again. And don't just hold that story to yourself. But make sure that other people, as far as is inhumanly possible, with the strength and energy that God enables us to bring that gospel truth to those who are around us. This is a table that calls us to focus on Jesus, to focus on grace, to focus on character, to focus on mission. And underneath what we are doing when we take bread and wine 
is what God is doing. And that's what really matters.